0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Blow Booking Podcast. Derek Cornett here. Live and in living color, at least on my end, I'm coming to you on all of your mobile listening devices, uh, iPads, laptops, all that good stuff. We are now out on iTunes, so make sure that you check out the Low Blow Booking podcast. Uh, give it a hit, um, see what we're all about, and uh, also give us some recommendations to other people. Uh, make sure that you give a little review. You know, it's a that's the way that these things. go. Uh, grow that's the way that they get life is by um, separating them out there for other people to listen to and other people to get excited about because here at the low Blow booking podcast we take a look at matches we take a look at angles we take a look at cards we take a look at uh you know we took a look at a career the other day um and we look at how could we make it better i'm one of the big guys that loves pro wrestling for what it is i know that sometimes throughout the history of the business the product hasn't been uh where we want it to be However, here tonight, I'm going to be talking to a very good uh, friend of mine, Jeff Jalka. Did I I say it right?
1: Absolutely. You got it. Awesome.
0: Jeff is probably the biggest baseball fan I know. Um, He hosts the Saturday Morning Spectacular. I've been a guest on his show a couple of times. We got to do some pretty exciting projects. And Jeff, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what brings you to Low Blow Booking Podcast tonight.
1: Well, first of all, Derek, thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to be part of this uh, podcast, and I'm going to have a difficult time following Stephen Graham's performance. It, he is like the pro wrestling Google. He does so much homework. Uh, he he really brings a lot of insight, and it's just such a smooth, uh, flowing guy. So I definitely have some big shoes to fill, uh, sitting in the number two seat. Absolutely. Uh, you, yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I was just going to say you're referencing the the previous episode we had where we went back and we looked at. WCW and the Goldberg Streak and how we would have done it differently. So definitely go back, check that thing out on um, on iTunes, and uh, you know see what we did there. It was a pretty interesting concept.
1: Yeah, well, uh, absolutely, Derek. You got some other great episodes. Uh, Jason Greenhouse and and uh, Dave Hall were also uh, awesome co-hosts. So I definitely have uh, my my big shoes to fill here with the, with this episode. But a little bit about it, you know, I'm 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 in the podcast community a little bit. Uh, I do. I did a, a show called The Saturday Morning Spectacular. We're currently on a hiatus. Uh, we got some other things coming up. You know, real life happens, and the and the podcast thing is is more or less a hobby. Uh, but I did thirty one great episodes talking about the history of baseball, and the episode that we did uh, was episode twelve. We uh, we composed batting lineups with uh, our different. Uh, favorite movies uh, uh baseball themed movies and it was a great concept it was a great idea we discussed a lot of the the theme baseball movies from from major league to even ken burns baseball uh and and everything in between the sandlot so that was a lot of fun
0: well, uh, I, we I also have i was going to say the best part you may and you may talk about it but the best part was creating the fictional lineup
1: oh yeah yeah uh take take taking the fictional baseball players and uh making a making a baseball lineup, guys like Nuke Lelouch, Crash Davis, Ricky Vaughn, we would use those those players and we would make a fictional lineup. Now the rule was they could not have been a former major league baseball player. Absolutely. That was the, so, so we had a lot of fun with it. I have all the masters, everything saved up so so one of these days when I get some free time, may, maybe I will uh I'll I'll sign up again and, and post them all. Uh oh. so people can listen and start adding on to as well. Oh. As much podcasting as I do. This is the first episode of professional wrestling that I've done. Now, I'll, I'll take it back to how I started listening to podcasts and getting into podcasting was finding old professional wrestling podcasts. I, fa- I found a podcast called The Old School Wrestling Podcast, and uh, they, they were really entertaining. So I went ahead and tried to find some more, and this is right when uh, Criscolo and Rosero first started their uh, The Place to Be podcast. They were like on episode 20 or so when I found them. So I've been listening to a a, a lot of uh, pro wrestling podcasts from there. I've communicated with the guys back and forth. I even did a podcast with Justin Rosero and Chad Campbell, but we talked about baseball. So this this is really a great opportunity to really get my feet wet in the world of professional wrestling.
0: Absolutely, Jeff, and I'm excited about it because um, this gives me an opportunity. As I'm getting older, um, I'm finding that I still love pro wrestling, but my expression of that love has to come in different ways. Um, for a long time, for six years, actually, I've been writing for the Territory Wars over on uh, bigelow34.proboards.com. And as we start to phase out of that project, I'm going to pick up this project and make it a little bit more um, exciting, make it a little bit more you know, user-friendly so that people can really have their have their voice heard and, and see what we're all about because I do think that we cover some great topics. Um, and it's, it's a pleasure to be with somebody that has had so much... Uh, podcasting experience, and, um, you know, I think it's time to dive right in.
1: WrestleMania 2, but the world has come to. And now, Vince McMahon.
0: Hello, everyone. sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania. And of course, what we just heard there was the introduction to what would be known as the WrestleMania 2. Now, this show is You know, remembered for so many different reasons. Um, I know for me, I wasn't even born when this thing came out. I was born that fall. So to go back and watch this thing as it happens, um, it's kind of mesmerizing when you think that Vince McMahon had the stones to say, I'm going to run a show in the three biggest markets um, all at the same time. I'm going to have three different things going on at once. I'm going to, you know, Load this thing up with celebrities. I'm going to load it up. The, I'm going to try and load up the card uh, with special attractions and uh, really pull the trigger. So, Jeff, tell me about 1986 in your life as a pro wrestling fan.
1: Well, I had just jumped on ship full time. I would say after WrestleMania in nineteen eighty five, I had a friend I grew up with who was actually at the first WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden. So he came to school with the wearing the WrestleMania hat and he brought the program to school and he had the the foam finger. And I was like, "Where were you at?" He's like, "Man, I went to WrestleMania. It was awesome. It was you know Hulk Hogan versus Mr. T and 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 all that stuff." So so. From then on in, I, I used to go hang out at his house. That's when the first WrestleMania uh, tape came out. The Andre the Giant tape came out. Uh, the Roddy Piper tape came out. So, you know, I had two VCRs at my house. He had two VCRs at his house. So we used to always, you know, dub them. And I would always watch the the bad copies. And I, I discovered Saturday Night's Main Event later on. Uh, so, so I was really... Uh, Deep involved in pro wrestling I was watching on Saturdays we had it syndicated uh, WWF championship wrestling Vince McMahon was the play-by-play along with Bruno San Martino was the was the color guy and it it would be like a bunch of squash matches it was it was done in a recording studio in Poughkeepsie and uh, you know once in a while you know Hulk Hogan would be in a feature match versus you know Moondog spot you know they would do that like maybe once every four or five months or so 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 the the that was pretty much my introduction into professional wrestling. It was uh eighty-five uh going into eighty six. Awesome.
0: And like I said, I wasn't born yet. Um <laughs> you know, but I have I have done my research to go back and watch. I think Saturday night's main event is probably one of the most underrated um concepts. That has ever been, you know, done in professional wrestling. Obviously, the Clash of the Champions rivals it in some ways, but I do think that there's parts of Saturday Night's main event that um, that outdo uh, what WCW tried to do, and I think that there's parts of Clash of the Champions that they do um, better than what Saturday Night's main event did. But that's what my build was towards this show as I went back and rewatched it. Um, I want to say if I had to guess a time in which I watched this show. For the first time, it would have to be the early 90s. Um, My video stores had um, WrestleManias 1 through 5 there. I remember always getting WrestleMania 3 and WrestleMania 4 and uh, WrestleMania 1. So I'm pretty sure I probably put this in. I know in probably the late 90s was the first time that I I really sat down and watched it all the way. Um, And just a couple years ago, I sat down and watched it again where I was at with my maturity of pro wrestling. And, and really dissected it down and, and tried to pick out the best things because that's what I do. Um, so Jeff and I are going to be looking at all three of these shows. And, uh, you know, Jeff made his card and I made my card, uh, you know, rep kind of off of Jeff's card. And we're going to put these things together and we're going to, um, you know, put it out there and see what you guys think. Um, I do think that there's a lot of talent that wasn't used properly here. So, uh, Jeff, why don't we get started? Let's travel to Long Island, New York, first.
1: Okay. Well, you know, touching on a couple things, this card before we really dive in, uh, I actually I like the idea of the three venue concept. That's one of the things that a lot of people pick on the show is is that it was just hard to to gain momentum when you're bouncing from you know New York to Chicago to L.A. I, I like the idea because it spreads out the event throughout the entire country to where people can travel to and be part of the event. Where they went wrong was, was doing it on a Monday night because no one's going to travel on a work week. <laughs> yep. So, so, so the, the first part of my event, like, like I'll get into it later, but the, the first part that I want to change is I went ahead and kept the three venues because I like the idea, but I'm moving it to a Saturday night. So people can travel, and I'm also bumping the bell time up to 7 p.m. to give me a little bit more time to build momentum. Instead of trying to squeeze it in on a Monday night in two and a half hours, you know, I want to maybe extend it out to four hours so I don't have to rush any of the matches. Because if you look at WrestleMania two, it's almost like they were trying to push the card, you know, get it over with quick. So the, the, the first six matches were probably about an hour.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, I,
1: that that's where I think a lot, a, a lot of the places where they went wrong. And, and I, they, they spread their, their talent out too thin as far as the announce crew as well. Yeah. And, and I'll address that.
0: I, I agree with what you're saying there. And I really do like, I like the three things. You know why? Because he took a fucking risk. He went out there and he said, I'm going to try something huge. And maybe it didn't pay off, but maybe it did. Because, you know, if it was a complete bomb to the point where it just bankrupted the company, we wouldn't be talking about it today. But it was a calculated risk that, that would set the stage for what would come in the future. Um, whenever you do anything, you have to make a mistake. Maybe having it in three different venues was a mistake. Maybe having it on a Monday night was a mistake. Um, in the bell time and everything that goes into it. But I think, obviously, Vince McMahon learned from it, and he comes back next year and puts forth the biggest wrestling show of all time in the United States of America, so... Obviously something went right.
1: Easily the biggest show in North America.
0: Yep. Um, so let's, like I said, let's start at Nassau. Um, I'll let you run down here what you got here for the first couple things, and then we're going to jump into the matches, and we're going to talk about how they're a little bit different.
1: Okay. Like I said, I, I took all of these celebrities that, that were in, involved in that card, and I took all the wrestlers that were involved in the card, and I kind of just shook it up a little bit and, and tried to, replace people in different spots to make the show work uh if if i was allowed to choose outside for celebrity hosts i think i would have whitney houston do america the beautiful and i think i would use chevy chase in the role of kind of like the bob euchre in wrestlemania 3 i think chevy chase is a real funny guy and i think he would have been a great talent to have there but i can't use him so i'm gonna have ray charles opening up with america the beautiful i think it would be a crime if i did not use him there that might have been the best part of the show absolutely All right, so on commentary in New York, we're going to use Vince McMahon and Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers was originally the uh, guest ring announcer for the the T and Piper main event, and what I want to do is I want to flip-flop her and Susan St. James. I think Susan St. James... Uh, did not have quite the gift of gab that Joan Rivers has. Joan Rivers would be able to, to pick up on like maybe a lot of jokes Vince McMahon would say. I think Joan Rivers, as a guest host, she she does a lot of homework, so she would have had backstory on these wrestlers as well. Or was, she would have made up a funny story or something.
0: It, well, that's what I was just going to say. I think that she could fly off the cuff and, and she could use the character that she portrayed in life um, in such a positive way that she would have, uh, you know, definitely been making up stories about this, that, or the other, or who somebody was dressing with, or I mean, all kinds of things. So,
1: absolutely, and she 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 would have been funny the whole time. Uh, you don't really need too much comedic presence on my card because I think my card stands out a little bit. But like I said, she would be able to maybe hit the low spots of the matches and 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 have that have that comedic timing that she was always famous for. All right. Okay, so we covered celebrities opening match for the show will be a tag team match and the winners will be guaranteed a tag team title match within the next 90 days. We have the British Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation. I say let's go ahead and warm up the card, give these two teams like 10 to 15 minutes and let them showcase their talent on the show. You know, you get Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart in their first real pay-per-view showcase and they don't disappoint. Uh, Some good face and peril spots with Dynamite Kid. Uh Davy Boy Smith gets the hot hot tag. They they do the press slam on top of Bret Hart for the one, two, three. Place explodes for the opener. Bulldogs over the Hart Foundation.
0: And and while we do this, we'll talk about where they were at in the rest of the card. Obviously, Hart Foundation were involved at the Rosemont Horizon in the uh tag team are in the Battle Royal as a tag team. Um the Bulldogs actually go on and Uh, defeat the uh, Dream Team for the, is it the title match? Yeah, the tag team titles. Um, So, it's a great concept, I think. I want to do it just a little bit differently. Um, I like the idea of this being an opening uh, big match, um, or a quick match, I guess. I really think that the WrestleMania moment of the Bulldogs beating the Dream Team is great, and I want to keep that. So, instead I'm going to pull the Killer Bees. Um, and I'm actually going to have them and the Hearts open it up because I think at this time the Killer Bees had just enough that you could still use them in that role, and they could work with the Hearts so well. Um, and that would, I think, that would solve the same, the same uh, problem that you and I both have is is getting the show started off in the right way. I think the Bees in the and the Hearts do it, and this also gives the Hearts a win. I think um, I like them going over in this spot.
1: Okay, I, I, I see what you do. I I see where you're going with that. I like how you use the killer bees. Uh, you you use them well. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the killer bees later on, and uh, I'll we'll we'll discuss the the bees later on. But but for right now, that that's a good that's a good match.
0: Um, and so let's jump to the second one. You and I have the same thing. Uh, Jake the Snake versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat.
1: Okay, uh, that's my next match. You can use Steamboat's high off- offense and veteran ring ability. And it could cause fits to Jake and his cunning ability, you know, to, to be sneaky and try to outsmart his opponents. Uh, Jake gets the win here. Uh, a good seven-minute match. You know, Steamboat will get a chance to showcase his high-flying ability and even come off the top rope. But, you know, Jake will move out of the way, set him up for the DDT, and uh, he'll get the win. Uh, he will not pull Damien out of the bag to try to save some face for Steamboat. Because uh, what they did in real time during the summer of 86 is that this was a big house show match was, was – uh uh Roberts versus Steamboat. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep that going so we're not gonna we're not gonna humiliate uh Steamboat by, by pulling the snake out.
0: Absolutely. And I and I think that you know that build onto uh their their dragon versus snake feud. Um at this point I do like Ricky winning because of the Hart Foundation uh winning my opener, so I'm gonna go along with that with you. Now, here's where you and I are gonna differ. Um I don't mind the boxing match. between mr t and roddy piper but um with the match that we have in the number three spot i'm actually going to push that as our main event so um i'm gonna we'll kind of work through it here in the number three in the number three spot for jeff it's number three for me it's my main event at the nassau coliseum it's randy savage versus tito santana for the ic title Mm -hmm. um I love this match. I I like watching the little series that they had. Um, I believe they had a uh, a lumberjack match. And were they in one of those six man cages at some point?
1: Uh, I would have to look back at, no, at, at no, some uh, that was at actually some MSG house, co- house show cards. I know in February of eighty six, the the MSG show right before uh, this one, uh, Macho Man took on Hogan in a uh, uh, lumberjack match. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I do know, I can, I can say for sure that Savage and, and, uh, Tito were in a lumberjack match at some point on one of those garden shows. But then, um, what I was thinking of is, uh, Savage and Honky that were in that six man cage, um, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, with strike force and whatnot. So in theory, they kind of were <laughs> just not as opponents, um, but uh, I like that match as my main event because I like titles, and I want to make Randy Savage seem very, very important. And the way to do that is to showcase him as a main eventer, um, have him go over here. Maybe it's dirty, um, but it's a way because we can make he heel go over because we're coming right back with, um, with another show. So um, that's my main event. Um, any other words on that one?
1: Uh, well, I'm about to discuss it right now. My third match is the rematch for the Intercontinental title from February of 86 when uh, Savage beat Santana at the Boston Garden. Uh, so so we're, we're going to go into the match. So that's the backstory. Tito will control, I would say, 98% of the match, showing that he is still a hot contender. Yep. Uh, plus, you know, Savage, at that time, he was booked as a chicken shit heel. You know, I mean, you, you can book Savage as important at the time, but when you look back at 1986, he was still like, like sort of like how Miz is today. That's how Savage was booked at the time, and and it worked because it brought heat to the title. It made the, it, it kept the title important. Like everyone was trying to get that title from him, so it it wasn't necessarily him making the title. It was the title making him. So, like I said. Uh, uh, Tito controls the the match, but um, Elizabeth will distract the referee on the apron for Savage to be able to pull out some brass knuckles and hit Santana again with the ref's back turn and get the get the win for for Savage. Now, what this is going to do it's going to be the first showing of, of of Elizabeth as a heelish type manager. She will definitely not be over the top like Sherry, but here's where you see her get involved, kind of you know st- still playing you know like like the the gentle lady and whatnot, but she'll distract the ref for Macho Man to get the shot in. Okay. So, so Savage holds the belt. I, I, I really like Savage uh, holding the title here.
0: Absolutely, moving forward. And before we, before we move forward, just to go back real quick, Ricky Steamboat faced Hercules Hernandez from the LA Sports Col or L- Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Um, Jake Roberts defeated George Wells. Um, in Nassau, so those two aren't switching up too much. Randy Savage actually defeated George Steele. Um, and Tito Santana. Was with Junkyard Dog facing Terry Funk and Haas Funk um, down in Los Angeles. So as we as we do some moving, um, this next matchup you and I both have different. So I'll let you uh, get us going here. What do you what do you like for this main event for Nassau?
1: Yeah, you already discussed your main attraction. Let me discuss mine for the Nassau portion of the Coliseum. We're gonna have Mr. T and a and a mystery opponent versus Cowboy Bob Wharton, Magnificent Morocco, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. The special guest referee for this match will be Smokin' Joe Frazier. The build for this match is that the three heels would constantly pick a fight with Mr. T and bully him and beat him up. And then they would challenge him at a match at WrestleMania against him and whatever too many wanted. He would say he would only need one man, and he would reveal that man the following week. Well, here's the following week, and they ask Mr. T, who you got? Mr. T says, you know what? Come on out, big fella. And here comes Andre the Giant. So I've got Andre the Giant and Mr. T versus Cowboy Bob Orton, Magnificent Morocco, and Rowdy Piper in a handicap match as the main event for the first WrestleMania. Andre and T go over the three heels in a comedic style match. They would be much more comedic than the seriousness of the War to Sell the Score or the WrestleMania 1 uh, main event. Uh, Piper was was pretty good in those in those uh, gimmicky comedic type roles So you didn't really need a lot of heat because it's only the fourth match of the card But you know, I wanted to put a big name I wanted to put some big names out there to close out the, the New York show with a good feeling You've got mr. T and Andre the Giant uh, with their hands raised as you move on to Chicago uh, It's a textbook blow-off match. Mr. T's last bout. He's out of wrestling picture for now uh, hit him and Andre with their hands raised. That's what I had for the main attraction. And
0: and I like that one a lot. Um, you know, at that point, um, it is fun. I'm gonna keep Andre where he was at. I'm gonna keep the boxing match there because um I I I just think that they're attractions. And that's what WrestleMania is really known for when it comes down to it, is that attraction. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep Andre where he's at. I'm gonna keep um I'm going to keep Mr. T and, and Roddy Piper in that spot, even if the match wasn't good. Um, mm-hmm. I still think that there was parts of it that were worth seeing. So um, let's move Let's move down now. We're going to be moving to the Rosemont Horizon, my home base in Chicago, Illinois, sweet home Chicago. Tell us about who we've got here for some celebrities and, and special guests.
1: Uh, real time or who I'm using?
0: Who, who you're using here for your show.
1: Okay. So uh, again, we've got a uh, a young female that does not have a big background in professional wrestling. What's going on? Her name was Kathy Lee Crosby. She was teamed up with Gorilla Monsoon and Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, they had to you you had to have three in the booth because they had to carry her. Uh, it's that's all right. That they, that they had to carry her, but I want to bring in somebody else that, that you know, a, a little bit more of a tough guy persona, a little, little bit more uh, could speak well on the microphone, and that could maybe add something there. Uh, and plus, you're going to bring in a guy who's really going to carry Chicago. Uh, the announced team for my portion of WrestleMania 2 in Chicago is Mean Gene Okerlund, play-by-play, color commentary, Jesse the Body Ventura, and Robert Conrad as the, uh, the, the guest uh, commentator. Uh, Ventura would be in a classic heel-type announcer role. Claiming that he's in a dump like Chicago, having to carry Mean Gene and a C-list ass actor like Conrad, when he should be in L.A. calling the main event and being with all the celebrities. You you know how you know Jesse kind of hypes up WrestleMania like he did it with WrestleMania three. You know making fun of Euchre or give, giving Gorilla a hard time in the opening. That that would be his his thing right there, and I think it would be uh, quite entertaining. Uh, the guest ring announcer for all the matches. Like like we flip flopped last time is we're gonna put Kathy Lee Crosby in the guest ring announcer position. She'll she'll be uh, announcing all the people coming through. Uh, that's really all I had for celebrities in Chicago.
0: And I don't think you need it because of what you're gonna have coming up in just a moment, anyways. So um, I think that works out well. Um, I, I like the the little storyline that you have of Jesse. Um, I guess part of me likes him being out in LA because. I think that with Jesse's persona and his character, he could push LA to mean more than what it actually was. You know what I'm saying? So um, I look at that, and and maybe I make that little switch. I don't. I don't think it's going to be detrimental in the long run. Um, I thought Gorilla did a good job in his role, um, uh, especially when we get down to our main event here. So let's start it up. Let's start us off. Uh, you and I have. Um, you know, some of the same matches here for number one and two, and then um, three and four, you and I uh, go a little bit different. So um, let's start us off with our opener here in Chicago. Um, in reality, uh, you had Andre and T beating Piper Norton, correct? No,
1: no, that, oh. that was uh, at the National Coliseum. Yep. My opening match in well, Chicago no, what I, is Her- Hercules Hernandez versus Pedro Morales. What
0: I'm saying, though, is that right before we go to Rosemont, though, your main event. Oh, yeah, event yeah, yeah, in yeah You got T,
1: T and Andre with their hands raised. Yeah, okay. correct.
0: So now we're coming to Rosemont. We just had our baby faces go over. Um, in my world, I had Randy Savage cheat to, to uh, keep yeah. the title. So um, here we come down to Rosemont now. Uh, Hercules Hernandez versus Pedro Morales. Um, why in the world is Pedro on your card?
1: Uh, we needed someone to get Hercules Hernandez over. Pedro Morales has a name, he was the first wrestler to be recognized as winning all three men's titles. Yep. He, he was the Intercontinental Champion, he was the Heavyweight Champion, and he was a Tag Team Champion as well, with, I believe, Tony Gurria. Yep. So... So Pedro Morales is a is a big name and he's still viable in the ring enough to get Hercules Hernandez over I wanted Hercules to be able to squash him and give him probably about three minutes just to completely annihilate Pedro Morales you know he can even just put one foot on him for the one two three with his hand raised and and he makes him a viable contender for the heavyweight championship remember how Bundy kind of squashed SD Jones just to make just you know for that persona like whoa Bundy's not a guy to be messed with yep that that's what i'm doing with hercules hernandez right here cuz you you need if if you notice i got i got uh i got heels going over when they needed to go over and i got baby faces going over when they needed to get over
0: and in reality um, what you're doing is you're building contenders for hogan
1: absolutely that's yep. my idea of of hercules hernandez versus pedro morales
0: okay and in reality um steamboat defeated hercules uh morales was lost into the uh, battle royal so yep. Um, I like Hercules going over there, uh, jumping down to the ne- the next contest, um, a boot camp match, Corporal Kirshner versus the Iron Sheik. I really like this idea, this concept. Um, this is obviously, in my opinion, the Iron Sheik's last moments, and it's kind of like Pedro Morales as well. Um, it's their last moments to, to find legitimacy in the world of uh, the WWF. So I like Kirshner going over here. Again, he's building up so that he can be um, maybe a number – Three guy up the ladder to go to Hogan. Maybe he's a guy that you can possibly feed over to the uh, Heenan family um, and and kind of take him off from there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I had this match in the same spot as well. Like I said, you know, I'm moving up the bell time a little bit, and it's going to be a Saturday night, so it opens my windows up for more wrestling. Yep. You know, so so, so what classic? You know, early mid '80s uh wrestling in the wwf than than a than a boot camp match no disqualification you know the iron sheik and Sgt. slaughter made these famous you know give them a good solid 15 to 20 minutes to get bloody and beat the crap out of each other with flags and and whatever not it's just a, a a good old usa moment you know we're still in the middle of the cold war which is coming to an end with with the soviet union so so have Kirshner with the flag raised beating the iranian you know uh, as a, uh, a bloody mess, it's just—it's it's just a good way to get the uh, the crowd to pop after a heel squash.
0: And and I agree. Uh, Kirshner defeated Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. So, um, even if it's not a boot camp match, I still think you can do the flag match. Um, in reality, it's just a, an opera. It's a glorified squash for Kirshner. Um, the Iron Sheik was lost in the uh, battle royal. Um, now this is again where you and I are going dif- to differ on our match order. Um, primarily because of what I view. Um. For a title match um, and what it's supposed to be, um, so
1: I just want to get to a point right there about the title matches. Yep. The reason why uh, I put the title matches third in the the first two cards is because the the attraction is is you know it's the main attraction. I don't want to have the main attraction then the title match. Yep. You know I, I you know it, and plus they're they're secondaries to the heavyweight championship. Absolutely. So so I don't even consider them like main events for WrestleMania because my main event's coming up.
0: Yep and And oh. I agree actually with the way that you have this one um after looking at it a little bit more, um I'm actually gonna follow your same suit, except for you and I have a different match here. Um, you had the dream team versus
1: uh the killer bees yep,
0: while I'm actually gonna have the match that happened, I'm gonna have the bulldogs beat the dream team for the tag titles
1: okay so so like in my third uh match of Chicago, you know I got the killer bees versus the dream team for the world tag team titles. Uh, I am a big fan of the Killer Bees. I don't think they got the push they deserved. The match that everybody forgets about in WrestleMania history was the WrestleMania 3 match. The 11th match on the card was the Killer Bees versus Sheik and Volkov. Mm -hmm. Everyone remembers that. You know, Duggan coming running down the long ramp and then, you know, beating uh, Sheik over the back with the 2x4 and everyone chanting USA. But the Killer Bees, they actually looked really good in the ring for that first three minutes. You know, a bunch of quick tags. Jim Brunzel hit a drop kick uh, that you know he he pretty much put both feet on on the top of the Iron Sheik's forehead in that match at WrestleMania three. Yep. Uh, the the bees just never quite got the rub. You know I know I know B Brian Blair had his had his drug problems in the eighties. That might have been a contributing factor because I know Vince McMahon is not big on illegal drugs mm-hmm. in, in in his business. Never was.
0: And and I agree. So, and the things that you're saying about the bees are exactly why I put them in a position to uh open up the whole card with the hearts and and put together a great great wrestlemania match
1: yeah 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 i i I love the spot but but like i said the bees never got the rub so here my booking i'm giving them the rub uh much like the first tag team match this is going to be a just a classic wrestling match give them a, a solid 15 to 20 minutes with the bees showing off their strength as a tag team performing great double team moves with quick tags Working both Valentine and Beefcake, frustrating them to the point that they just walk out of the arena. Uh, you remember WrestleMania one? You know, uh, Piper was calling for a timeout, and him and Orndorff and yep. and uh, and Orton walked down the ramps. Sort of like the same thing here with with Johnny V. But the the Dream Team come back. Um, they they go on a, a great face and peril run with B Brian Blair, coming close to pinning him a couple times. You know, hitting him just with those strong, powerful tag team moves. You know, their their styles definitely contrast. You, know, you got the bees with the quickness, and you got Valentine and Beefcake with the power. So so Brunzell gets the tag, showing off his stuff, putting the champs on the ropes, uh, hitting the drop kick, and and trying to pull off the win. But once the ref was distracted, Beefcake came up from behind with Brunzel, Brunzel and dropped a mean elbow on onto the top of Brunzel's head flipped Valentine over and Valentine laying unconscious gets the one two three and the dream team retain and then will face the bulldogs uh because the Bulldogs won that first match yeah uh, they'll use that uh, to down the road summer house show I believe in the late summer early fall Saturday night's main event the Bulldogs will go over the dream team
0: all right and and right there I just like the Bulldogs winning because um, I'm doing it a little bit the opposite way. I can have them run uh, with the dream team through a little bit of the summer, um, and I can also have the hearts run, and then um, I can make that switch uh, in the fall and have the the hearts go over the bulldogs, and then maybe have the bulldogs come back at WrestleMania three and win, and um, you know just pop it around a little bit, move the titles, um, and build up build up a couple teams along the way. So let's get to our main event. Um, both of us like the NFL versus WWF Battle Royal. Uh, you put a different spin on this, though. Tell me what you did.
1: Well, uh, for my main event, Chicago, I, I did a team format battle royal. NFL players versus WWF superstars, seven on seven. Now, like I said earlier, that you know, I want to take all the competitors that were on WrestleMania two and kind of just divvy them up four matches, you know, per city. And how I had to do that is, you know, I've got to replace the women's match. You know, I've got some wrestlers that didn't make the card. So I had to kind of pick out of the battle royal, but then I'm going to have some left over. So what I did was I made it a seven on seven. You know, I have the the six football players plus Ed Tuttle Jones, who was on the outside. I believe uh, Dick Butkus was a little too old at this time to really get in the ring. He might have had a bad hip or something. Mm -hmm. Didn't really want to go over the top rope. So I'm, I'm still sticking Ed Tuttle Jones in there. So, do you want, to, do you want me to give you a rundown of the wrestlers?
0: Well, I, I'm actually going to say that okay. I, I agree with the concept. Um, you and I just swapped on our wrestlers. So, first, let's go through and say who the NFL guys are.
1: Uh, my NFL guys, and they've got to be the same as yours, too, because yeah. there's only stepping on the card. you got Bill Fralick from the Atlanta Falcons. you got Ernie Holmes, I believe, from the Raiders. You have Harvey Martin from the Cowboys. You've got Russ Francis from the San Francisco 49ers. You got Ed Too Tall Jones from the Cowboys, and then you've got two of the defending Super Bowl champion '85 Chicago Bears offensive lineman Jimbo Covert and defensive tackle William the Refrigerator Perry.
0: And I believe it's Russ Francis whose dad or somebody was a wrestler. Um, Bill Fralick looks like a heel. I mean, he is. He's got the he's got the perfect body for a pro wrestler, and he looks like he's got the perfect attitude as well. <laughs> Um, no
1: kidding, because that, that, pre, that, that pre-game that uh, interview, pre-game, pre, pre-match interview he did with John Stubb, John Stubb was almost like a face.
0: Exactly. Um, Bill Fralick should have gotten a pro wrestling when it was all said and done. Um, he probably did and showed up at the GWF or some shit like that, um, for all for all we know. Um, so let's run through uh, your wrestlers, and I'll say who mine are.
1: Okay, my WWF superstars, the seven that will be competing against them, are all faces. I've got Ted R C I've got Uncle Elmer. I've got Dan Spivey, I've got King Tonga, I've got Tony Atlas, former pro football player George Wells, and C.V. Afi, who had just signed with the WWF that, uh, that previous month in March.
0: Okay. And um, in, in, in my corner, um, if, if we're going by uh, you know the captain, I, I, I'm going with Andre. I, I like Andre winning this thing still. Um, I've got Ted Arcidi, Dan Spivey, King Tonga. Tony Atlas, I'm going to throw Don Morocco in here because I can see Don Morocco on a card somewhere to build to this show where he is giving the refrigerator some shit. He kind of takes my big John Stud role in the whole thing Um, because he's going to give, you know, we're in Chicago and we're setting up the match, and Don Morocco sees refrigerator pairing. He starts jerking him around, and um, I I think that he could come in here and, and, and prove to be good. And then the last one would be Bruno. Um, I like Bruno in this spot simply so that um, he can come in and, uh, you know, just give that legitimacy to the WWF team. Um, You know, obviously I don't think it needs to be more legit with Andre. Um, You know, him going over, uh, it's just a good spot. So,
1: you you're gonna have you can't have Andre eliminate either one of those Chicago Bears. You no, know that, you can't. right?
0: That's just it. Is and that's why I have Don Morocco in there. Yeah, because, you need a
1: heel to throw him over. Because then, and then Andre have, comes in with the win.
0: Yeah, I, and I can have Dre versus Morocco because I can even build off of what you may have done earlier, um, and may may build that to a Saturday night's main event card where Morocco and Piper and uh Orton face Andre and, and
1: T, you know,
0: anything could happen. Or you happen. could have
1: Andre and Perry in that spot, you know, it's it's still early, you know, it's still before training camp.
0: Exactly, I mean, anything could happen, Um, and, and having a heel in there gives me the opportunity to do that. So, um, Chicago is done, uh, for the most part, we kept some guys in the battle royal there, moved a couple people around, but, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to head to Los Angeles, and out there, we have got our final four matches, including the WWF Heavyweight Championship. So, line us up. Who do we got here for our celebrities that you added on?
1: Okay, so what was originally the worst commentary team in WrestleMania history with Jesse Ventura, Lord Alfred Hayes, and Elvira suddenly will become the best. I've got Gorilla Monsoon in his first major pay-per-view announcing spot, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Tommy Lasorda, Will be in the color spot, flip flopping with Elvira. I don't know how you have such a wonderful storyteller, uh, such, such such a great personality. I mean, the biggest personality in the building, and you just put him as the ring announcer for the for the main event. I, 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 I Wrestle, WrestleMania two was it was was a big drop off, but that might be the most telling sign. Is how do you not put a headset and microphone in front of Tommy Lasorda?
0: I I agree. So, he you know he's so, a great personality, and that's what you got to use.
1: Yep. So so I like I said, I got Elvira will be the guest ring announcer uh for this match. Uh, I would definitely use Lasorda. He was kinda like the precursor to the late later years with Art Donovan in the booth, uh <laughs> King of the Ring ninety five. Bobby and Lasorda would have a classic back and forth ribbings with each other, with Bobby telling him about his managerial skills, you know, how how the Lakers and Raiders and Rams or Kings or whatever team he's running. Yeah. You know.
0: Well I think so, the the big running joke is you know, spring training's coming up. How much, you know, can you pay me to come and teach you how to do something? Uh,
1: exactly. You know, that,
0: that's Bobby Heenan to a T, so. All right. Yep. So, um, did you talk about your guest timekeeper?
1: Oh, uh, also, my de- my guest timekeeper would be Cab Calloway, who was one of the judges for the uh, original boxing match.
0: Awesome. All right, so we've set the stage. We've gone through. We've had eight matches so far, 9, 10, 11, 12, coming at us. Um, we've got to blow it up big here. We've got, I'd say we roughly have about an hour, would you say, left in our time period if we do an hour each show?
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't really want to focus on time too much because I want to make sure I get the wrestling in to entertain. I think that was a big problem with WrestleMania 2 as well, is that some of these matches were just too quick. Exactly. You know? Four minute a four minute intercontinental title match, yeah, you know a, a four minute opener which isn 't too bad you you 've got four minutes with you know wells and snake, uh, you only go four rounds in the boxing match, and then the first two matches in Chicago were under a minute,
0: yeah, and I think that we can cut these things out, especially with what we did, because you look at the killer bees and the hearts they 're going they could go a solid eight or nine minutes to start the show off um, and then and, and it kind of builds from there, I think in my mind when I do a, a show like this i 'm doing a three hour show. Four matches in an hour um, with some promos. I think I can work that out, um, but I don't want to take away from the creativity of what we got going on. So let's start us off in Los Angeles. Um, you and I have the first two matches the same, and then we swap on the last two. So let's start. Tell us what our opener is. Uh,
1: our opener will be a singles matchup. It will be Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orno, fresh off his uh, his his uh, heel run uh going against big john stud uh orndorf would look strong here getting good offense on stud using his athletic combination of speed and strength uh even getting him off his feet here when he goes for a body slam but stud used used his leverage dropped an elbow on the back of his neck fell onto orndorf for the 3 count uh a, sort of you know maybe 5 minute quick opener uh out in LA uh stud comes out victor- victorious looking for a push to the top of the heavyweight division,
0: and I like that a lot. Especially as we we're coming off, um, we're coming off Andre the Giant just winning the Battle Royal. Uh, now we're going to come out here and see, um, you know, a true test, and in you know, Gorilla or Jesse, whomever it is, um, you know, they're building with Bobby Heenan because Heenan's still saying Andre could have never won that Battle Royal if John Studd was in it. Um, mm-hmm. John Studd is the true giant of the WWF. I mean, that's this the the yeah. never ending feud. So when he's out here, he's running down Orndorff. Um, I like Stud getting the victory here, um, and that just uh, you know that just solidifies his run as he's about to make one more push um, going towards Hogan. Yep. All right. Now in our second match, Junkyard Dog versus Terrible Terry Funk in a dog collar match. Real quick before we jump to that, um, Orndorff uh, in the original show he was with uh, he fought Morocco uh, to a double countout back in Nassau. And then uh, Big John Studd was obviously in the Battle Royal. Now we come to Junkyard Dog vs. Terry Funk. These two actually um, wrestled at this show in tag team contest as uh, Terry and Haas uh, defeated um, Junkyard Dog and Tito. So we're going to take away some of the, the other parts of that. Junkyard Dog versus Terry Funk dog collar match. Um, what, do you, what do you like in this contest?
1: Uh definitely a stiff and bloody match, similar to the dog collar match of Valentine and Piper in Starcade eighty three. Uh t- you know, Terry Funk has been known to take crazy bumps. I could see him, you know, may- maybe, you know, junkyard dog hanging him over the ropes and kinda choking him out with the chain. You've got to remember, you know, we we're making it kid friendly, but this is also professional wrestling and it's also Saturday night. You know, it's not Monday night. So so we're able to to get over with some with some of the uh the, the darker move sets here. Uh, It's later on the card. You got to look. It's probably about, you know, 1030 in the evening on the East Coast. So, you know, I don't know about a lot of moms bringing their kids to these shows at at, um, closed circuit and whatnot. So hopefully dad will be like, son, it's just wrestling. You know, don't do that at home. So I I want this thing stiff. I want it bloody. I want some crazy moves. Uh, Obviously, you've got to put the dog over here. It's a dog collar match. Yep. And uh, I I think it doesn't hurt Terry Funk at all to take a loss here.
0: Um, I I like all the reasoning behind what you've done. Um, If I'm going to go back, I'm actually going to swap this match with the flag match, and because if I have Hogan at the card, that means that I have more kids there, plain and simple. And that's why I and I like this match in Chicago because I think the Junkyard Dog probably was more known in Chicago than he was probably in L.A., um, and I think Terry Funk, you know, I think he was known all over the place, um, and that's the only reason I think is, um, is I like them doing that match in front of a rabid Chicago crowd, even though it probably wasn't rabid at that time compared to the, um, you know, the, the, the kids that are coming to watch Hogan, but then on the other hand, you could say, well, the kids are there for the NFL guys too, so I think it's six and one half dozen of the other, um, yep. I, I like the match. Regardless, I think that it's it's got an opportunity to be a bloody feud, um, a bloody match. Uh, you know, something that kind of sets the stage for what WrestleMania would become. Um, so let's move down. Now you and I have two different matches for our last two. Um, tell me about your third match here.
1: Okay, don't give away my main event. I oh. won't. Okay, the uh, the third match in the LA Sports Arena for me is a battle of heavyweights between King Kong Bundy. and in Hillbilly Jim. Now I said uh, Heenan was behind the mic. Uh, he will stay behind the mic, and you know, got, you know, uh, you know, Gorilla Rib. Him. Hey, why aren't you down there with your guys? You know, and he'll say they they don't need me at this point. I, you know, I, I've given them their pre-match. They they know how to take care of business, and both his guys are getting over. So the build with this match is Bobby Heenan for weeks would be on commentary on Tuesday Night Titans mocking Hillbilly Jim and his family. You know, make make. remember how he was doing the boss man jokes, mm-hmm. similar with Hillbilly Jim. So then uh, Heenan's doing a promo in the ring and he's just really going to town and bad mouth and Hillbilly Jim. So here comes Hillbilly Jim uh, walking out and he goes in the ring and goes nose to nose with Heenan. And then Bundy, a la Saturday Night's main event in 1986, comes up from behind and wham, hits Hillbilly Jim uh, and knocks him out. Him, him and uh, Big John Stud come out. and They just do a number on Hillbilly Jim. And uh, the, the 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 fan favorites come in to make the save. They go running off, but but Hillbilly Jim's pretty beat up. So Hillbilly Jim needs his match. So
0: I like I like uh, that a lot. I th- I think um, on paper that looks great. Um, I think that it leads obviously to what they're going to do in a year with the midgets, um, which is obviously one of the classic WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, but with Hillbilly Jim here, um, I'm going to do it a little bit differently, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lead in. I'm going to finish my third match and lead into my fourth match so that you can then have the spotlight for your main event. Um, okay. Hillbilly Jim is going to be facing Adrian Adonis. Um, Hillbilly Jim on this card, was uh, he was in the Battle Royal, I believe. Yes. And then Adrian Adonis actually defeated Uncle Ummer. Um, I'm, I'm going to have Adonis and, and Hillbilly Jim go here. Um, I actually want Hillbilly Jim to win because I think that he deserves it. He needs it, and Adonis is not going to be hurt by that. Um, I think it kind of it kind of goes with that feud because Adonis could come back and defeat Uncle Elmer um, and be just fine in Hillbilly Jim uh, you know he gets a nice win for his family. You could even have had um, Adonis beat uh, Uncle Elmer a couple you know weeks earlier than this, um, maybe at that you know the Saturday Nights main event leading up to it or something along those lines where you have Adonis beat him pretty good. And then you have Hillbilly Jim come in for the revenge. He gets the big win, and, and he's ready to move on, and everybody's happy. Now, mm-hmm. um, as we go to the main event, uh, obviously uh, he's been conspicuous by his absence throughout the entire card. Our World Heavyweight Champion, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Um, and I like what they did. I like the cage match. I love the build. Um, him and King Kong Bundy um, going one-on-one um, you know, for the, the WWF title uh, 11 minutes, um, and, and Hogan walks away happy during this contest. Bobby Heenan is like just going irate, you know, almost 1992 Royal Rumble status on how he has to get down from the booth and go help his man and gorilla, you know, you could even have the, the photo of gorilla holding him back or, you know, just, you could do so much with it. Um, Hogan, you know, maybe gets a little juice and, uh, you know walks away with the title and uh, you know we end Wrestlemania 2 that way however you have got something different lay it on it the the low blow uh, listeners are ready to hear what your Wrestlemania 2 main event is
1: now I know you're, you're you're early in your podcast but this might be the most risky rebooking that has been on your show so far
0: I, I after looking at it I believe that this is
1: Okay, now I've, I've got a build for this. Now, as you can see, in 1986, a lot of these heels, you know, you need to build them to face your babyface championship, uh, champion Hulk Hogan. But here right now is the main event. So, on a Saturday afternoon, early February, on an episode of WWF Wrestling Taping in Poughkeepsie, Hogan would be making a rare feature match against Moondog Spot. Vince McMahon and Bruno Sammartino would be on commentary, and Vince would be saying what a great champion Hogan is, and no one has been such a great a champion. Bruno would stay humble, but yet point out that he was a champion for eight years and sold out the garden night in and night out. After the match, Vince would interview Hogan and mention that Bruno does not think that he's the best champion ever. Hogan, in babyface mode, tells Vince that there's only one way to settle the claim, and that's in the ring. Bruno then comes up to Hogan and tries to downplay the confrontation, telling Hogan that his wrestling days are all but behind him and that he will be, you know, it'll be up to the fans to choose now, and then the show ends. So the following week on Championship Wrestling, Vince once again brings up the fact that Hogan should be considered one of the best champions of all time. But this time, Bruno gets upset saying that he feels disrespected by Vince and that how much money he has made for his father and that his punk kid does not respect him and storms off the set. You know, classic Bruno Italian style. The next week, Vince brings out Freddie Blassie to commentate due to Bruno's mysterious absence. Towards the end of the taping, Bruno comes out in workout clothes and gets in the booth with Vince and Blassie and challenges Hogan to a match to see who is the best. Well, lo and behold, Hogan is at the taping and comes out to talk to Bruno at the the announce table. At first, Hogan is taken aback by his comments and wants to reason with Bruno, stating that he was a great champion and that he has no problem with him and wants to give him his respect. But Bruno wants nothing to do with it, and tells Hogan to put up or shut up at WrestleMania 2. Hogan says, fine, you want me to put up the title? You got it. So here we are, WrestleMania 2, LA Sports Arena, and for the World Heavyweight Championship, you've got Hulk Hogan defending the World Champ- Championship against the former champion, Bruno Sammartino. Now, uh, we got to keep moving merch here. So Bruno, Bruno never really went full-blown heel during the build. So, um, you, you know, it's, it's almost like Bruno is for the adult, got, the adult fans that have watched wrestling, you know, through, throughout the seventies and, and, you know, into, you know, 82 or so, you know, they're pulling for Bruno, but the kids want Hulk Hogan to win. So it's sort of like, you know, it's a fan base versus fan base. They're both rooting for their, their, uh, their fan. So both wrestlers have their fan base and the match starts out fast with Hogan getting the early advantage. But Bruno switches the tide and uses his power and technical skills to keep Hogan at bay. The crowd is on its feet for most of the match. Bruno then gets him in the signature bear hug, and then Hogan hulks up. Hogan does the move. He gives him the big foot, goes to drop the leg. But Bruno moves out of the way and rolls up Hogan for the one, two, three. And Bruno San Martino gets his WrestleMania moment as the new heavyweight champion of the world. And the wrestling world goes crazy. Ah. Uh. <laughs> you now, are right now, now there, there's an asterisk to this okay. he gets the dusty 1986 treatment he gets the cover on pwy holding the belt bruno's the champion again but then drops it two weeks later at a house show in san jose
0: <laughs> oh i have to say that is probably the riskiest move um i don't know how the fans are going to react to seeing that uh questionable doing it in la compared to new york um, I think that that's a, a conversation for another day um, yeah. uh I, I I'm almost speechless at this point to to think about uh nineteen eighty six in the middle of his the greatest run um Hulk hogan dropping it to a very much older and very much more retired bruno san martino um i I guess this play by play guy doesn't see it happening but that's why we have the low blow booking podcast. That is why we come at you, uh, you know, each month with some of the greatest topics. Jeff, obviously, you blew it out of the park here with with this insane idea of Bruno defeating Hogan, um, and then obviously doing the right thing and jobbing it out two months, or two weeks later.
1: Yeah, yeah, just just give them the quick press run, you know, with Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, obviously, we're not going to do any, like, sort of Tonight Show or Saturday Night Live, we're going to kind of keep them out of it, but, you know, it's... The, the the classic wrestling fan is going to get something you know it's not crazy it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Batista winning the title you know today he was you know a good champion 10 years ago yep you know so so it's 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 the same thing with Bruno uh, Bruno dropped the belt in 77 i believe to superstar Billy Graham 77 or 78 i'm not sure so it's yep. not you're, we're not that far off
0: okay i hey i'm not going to i'm not going to bust your chops there too much Um, you know, that's why we have this is so that, uh, people like you and I can sit down for an hour and, and we can run through a show like this that is, you know, very infamous and come through and and give it something, give it some new life and give it some new excitement, um, in what we have. Um, and, and that kind of wraps up WrestleMania two. Do you have any other closing comments here about what we did together with this show? Um, and and how we re rebooked it? Uh,
1: Derek, I I love the discipline we used. A lot of people didn't like the three shows or the, uh, excuse me, the three venues. A lot of people didn't like the commentary teams. You know, we, we kind of kept it, you know, we, we kept the discipline of the, the three, the three venues, but we just kind of stuck all the wrestlers in a, in a jar, kind of shook it up and dumped it out. So we, we, we couldn't use, you know, outside wrestlers, you know, talking to Mr. Kriscolo about uh, Kriscolo about this. uh, He said he wanted to use Nikita Koloff i told him you know that it's got to be a discipline he he didn't think that the the face versus face would go over too well
0: Mm -hmm. but But, like
1: like i said you if if that was the wrestlemania 2 main event tell me you wouldn't want to watch it
0: oh i i I definitely wanted to see it you know especially being in the womb at that time um (laughs) (laughs) but but that's that's what the lobo booking podcast does is i want to take something that happened and i want to look at the resources that i have and change it up a little bit and see what it's all about man i I love the sport of pro wrestling. I watch it um, all the time. Uh, I love the WWE Network for being able to go back and look at things. I've got a great collection of my own stuff. Um, and, And it's stuff like this that I'm looking forward to. Um... Jeff, as we begin to wrap up, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure to work with you on this project. I know it's been a long time coming, but um, when a plan like this comes to fruition, um, it really makes you feel good, and, and I enjoy what we got to talk about today. I got to learn a little bit from you, um, and hopefully um, you can see the way that my brain works on what pro wrestling is and what it's supposed to accomplish.
1: Oh, you you absolutely derek you've got you've got a keen mind for for rebooking uh, and this show WrestleMania Two is the perfect i guess its it's the perfect uh ingredient that you want to you know just kind of pick it up and say you know what a steaming pile of garbage and then you know see what you can make out of it and, and, and that's and, what we did
0: yeah and I think that um you know what we do is we we separate things the way they're supposed to be separated um put them in spots they 're supposed to be in and uh I think when it comes down to it we've got a pretty nice little product coming out here um so yeah, that, that wraps up WrestleMania 2. Uh 1986, we're coming at you from Nassau, Rosemont, and LA. Um it, it it's a great event. Uh you know, something that you and I put together. Um obviously a little bit different. So go back, listen to some of the differences. Uh let us know what you think. Um again, check this thing out on Podbean, uh, check it out on iTunes, give it a share, give it a tweet, give it a uh, you know, a, a good review if you want to, or let me know what we need to change, what we need to make better. Um Jeff, before we wrap up, I just want to put it out there. Myself and Dave Hall are going to be back in the Low Blow Booking Podcast, and we're going to be talking about the 1988 Royal Rumble, and we are going to change it to a three-hour full-on pay-per-view, and and we're going to be putting that thing into a 30-man actual Royal Rumble. Um, I'm really looking forward to this project.
1: Yeah, me too. I can't wait to listen.
0: Um, it's it's going to be awesome to see what we put together. Dave Hall is obviously a genius when it comes to this stuff, so I like to use him and uh, and myself and and put something together and put it in the blender and see how it goes. Jeff, you and I are going to stay in contact. We're going to find another topic to talk about. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the Low Blow Booking Podcast. Um, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, let's let's do it.
0: All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. As we close out. Check out this great theme from the old Coliseum videos.